The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Scott Barber. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. I hope everybody's having an amazing, uh, had an amazing 4th of July. I know it was awesome for me. Got to spend some time uh, thanking God for the country that I was born into. My father used to tell me the greatest gift I ever got in my life, next to my health, was being born in the greatest society that ever existed that would allow me to fulfill all of my dreams to the best of my ability, and boy, it sure has. Getting the opportunity to be a physician and to be able to take care of people has been the great honor of my life. It's such a fulfilling, uh, it's such a fulfilling job. It's, it's unbelievable. I'm always trying to teach my kids that the greatest, the greatest satisfaction that one can obtain in life is service to others and to be a physician and to be able to serve other people is just an incredible opportunity, and I thank God every day uh, that he put me in this position. And I want all of you to know that I, I will I will continue to spend the rest of my life doing my best to take care of my patients, to be honest, to be truthful, to have integrity, honesty, integrity, accountability, being a good teammate. My father used to always teach me about that, and I try to spread uh, that that teaching to the students that I mentor to my children and uh, I try to live up to it every day but like all of you out there I'm a sinner uh, I have my own problems it's a battle every day to be the best person that I can be but uh, I do look at the COVID experience as a measure of my ability to stand up to the pressures of society and to be true to myself and to just to just live in truth. And I think having gone through the COVID experience, I think we all have learned a lot. And I sort of put together a montage show today to sort of look at the whole COVID experience and figure out uh, what we learned. Now, if you guys can put yourselves back into 2020, early 2020, when we started hearing rumblings of Something coming out of China, uh, a new infectious uh, outbreak. I began to look into it as the owner of a large medical practice uh, with a surgery center. I started talking to my staff about making sure that we had all of the uh, tools that I need to run my practice. A lot of the uh, things that we get to run my practice come from China, antibiotics and PPE, all this sort of stuff. I wanted to make sure we had enough masks and things to be able to continue to run my practice. We then learned that there was a coronavirus outbreak called COVID-19. Of course, I studied coronavirus when I was in medical school. I busted out my uh, trusty infectious disease textbooks and started refreshing my memory on immunology, on coronavirus in particular, and reminding myself about all of the facts that every doctor learns in medical school regarding masks, for example, the efficacy of masks and the fact that they don't work. 
this concept of lockdowns, uh, ineffective, social distancing, a fake thing. I reminded myself of herd immunity with uh, coronaviruses in particular, which typically achieve herd immunity at about 30% infection due to the fact that coronaviruses have the ability to jump into different animals. And so when it gets too difficult to achieve uh, transmission within humans, it simply goes to another uh, host. And so uh, I started reminding myself about vaccines and the problems that we had in the past. I was trained in medical school, as every doctor is trained, that vaccines can take up to 10 years to fully understand all of the ramifications, that there are risks associated with vaccines. We all know uh, that with any new medication, there are issues. Uh, th- thalidomide, I think, is the most famous, uh, given to women in, uh, who were pregnant. We started having babies born with no limbs. And I think the lesson that you can learn for that is, number one, new medicines can have problems. Number two, the government doesn't necessarily protect you. Uh, you have to look out for yourself. And as I started to see the way the COVID experience was unfolding, first the uh, Royal College of London comes out with this 3.4% mortality number, which I look into and I'm immediately, what are you talking about? 3.4%. All they were doing was taking the number of people that were infected in the hospital and looking at the number of people who died. And they said it was 3.4%, completely ignoring the fact that respiratory illnesses like this are out in the community and knowing that there are many, many people out there who have the uh, infection and are not even going to hospital. So this 3.4% mortality rate was obviously, as we look back on it, a fear-mongering attempt uh, to get people frightened. And at the time, I didn't understand what the purpose of it was. Now I do. They then implemented the lockdowns and the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates. And you, you guys all remember the whole thing. Now, as this was going on, I was stunned. I was shocked. I was dazed. Uh, I remember thinking to myself, what is happening? What, why is the medical profession losing its mind? Uh, why are people not speaking up about these truths? Listen, I get it. I graduated at the top of my med school uh, class. Look, I know that I probably am in the, in the, uh, you know, top portion of doctors in my understanding of, of medicine, but still this stuff was all basic. You know, an infectious disease is not even my specialty, but yet I still knew all of these things, and I knew that other doctors must know all of these things, and I just didn't understand what was happening. And so uh, the America's Frontline Doctors came around. I didn't know any of these people. I just knew that they were other doctors who were willing to tell the truth about what was happening with COVID, and so I was just trying to use any opportunity to be able to share the truth with America and uh, and and the world uh, because it was necessary because our governments were shutting down businesses and shutting down schools and implementing these horrible mask mandates which had tremendous negative impact on our children and adults for that matter. Um, it, it was uh, destroying our economy and I just didn't understand why is nobody sharing the truth? Why is common sense seeming to disappear from the planet? Uh, I started to notice that people who were sharing the truth were getting shut down. They were getting banned. They were getting censored. Peter McCullough, who is a cardiologist, one of the most published and and uh, accomplished cardiologists of our era, 
was out there trying to share information and they canceled him and they, they fired him. Um, Dr. Simone Gold, who was the founder of America's Frontline Doctors, fired from her job. Uh, the government came after her and she was eventually imprisoned. Uh, I mean, just craziness going on and I just didn't understand what was happening. And listen, I'm just a regular guy. I do this podcast uh, because I feel passionate about saving healthcare. I want medicine to be the best it can be. I understand from the inside the horrors of government-controlled, one-size-fits-all, top-down, totalitarian, socialized medicine and free market healthcare. And the COVID experience really codified my belief that socialized medicine is pure evil. It's the not denial of care and that we need to promote free market healthcare solutions to empower doctors to innovate and to compete and to deliver the best possible care to our patients. Now, I, I remember uh, after the Braves won the World Series uh, that the uh, newspaper uh, came out and um, let's see. Uh, the newspaper came out and I, uh, noticed on the same day that the Atlanta Braves won the World Series that there was a front line, front, uh, page article in the Atlanta Journal Constitution regarding this modest podcast, uh, which I really kind of felt that, uh, uh, other than my mom, probably not a lot of people were listening to. Uh, and not that this is not an amazing show. It is an amazing show. But to listen to it, you typically got to be interested in healthcare, And there are a lot of podcast options out there. But no, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution was very concerned that uh, Hal and I uh, were sharing the truth. And it was uh, interesting to see on the same front page uh, that let everybody know that the Atlanta Braves had just won the World Series – there was also my face and my name on the front page of the AJC, Dr. Spread Misinformation with Impunity. I'm reading the headlines here. Facing no official consequences, some in Georgia push unsubstantiated narratives on virus and treatments. Here we have in the first paragraph, Scott Barber wears Dr. Scrubs when he records his podcast, an American flag tacked to the wall behind him. Leaning into the microphone, he gives health advice that experts say could land a person in intensive care. Wow, this is uh, amazing. It also says that throughout the pandemic, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has sought out trusted sources and credible data on the coronavirus, vaccines, and treatments. The AJC also has looked at the threat posted by misinformation. Uh, here's my face. I, I'm, I'm, uh, wearing my scrubs there. Dr. Scott Barber is affiliated with America's Frontline Doctors, as in, I just found a group of people, uh, that I didn't know, uh, that were, uh, interested in sharing the truth as I was. And it says here, uh, that America's Frontline Doctors, a group, uh, known for spreading conspiracy theories and unproven claims about COVID-19. And it was kind of funny. Because when we were up at the Capitol and we were sharing our information, which, by the way, was not our information. What we were doing was just taking information that's already in the literature that was available for anybody to read uh, to read, and just telling you what it said. And 
apparently at the time we had 18 million live Facebook followers that were interested in what we had to say and big tech decided to shut us down. They did not want you to hear what we had to say. Now, it's interesting because when I think about what I said and what Hal said, let's kind of review it. Some of the things I said were um, my opinion, and I stated my opinion, and also a lot of what I said were my thoughts, and I remember it um, implicitly. The first thing I said was, why are they telling you that the, the mortality rate is 3.4%? Shortly after they implemented the lockdowns, they revised it to the uh, 0.02%, which is uh, more in line with a typical influenza outbreak. But I think if they came out and just said the mortality rate is similar to the seasonal flu, I don't think a lot of people would have gotten very excited. And I think that's probably why they uh, shared with you this 3.4% number. Um, they started to implement these masks, these cloth masks, these surgical masks. Honestly, they never really did define what a mask was. You just had to put something over your your face. And I remember um, Alyssa Milano, the actress, wearing this yarn thing over her face while uh, admonishing all of the people who were reticent to wear masks. And it was just an utterly ridiculous thing. And I told you, which was something that was known, a known fact uh, back in uh, when I was in medical school 30 years ago. And interesting, I'm looking here at the Cochrane Library, and the Cochrane Library did a meta-analysis of cloth masks, surgical masks, and oh yes, the the, uh, N95 mask. And this Cochrane uh, report, for those of you who don't know what the Cochrane Library is, the Cochrane Library is named after Archie Cochrane. It's a collection of databases in medicine and other healthcare specialties provided by Cochrane and other organizations. At its core is the collection of Cochrane Reviews, a database of systematic reviews and meta-analysis which summarize and interpret the results of medical research. The Cochrane Library's aims, the Cochrane Library aims to make the results of well-conducted controlled trials readily available and is a key resource in evidence-based medicine. So the medical community typically recognizes the Cochrane Library as, as the, uh, as the prime source of medical information. And what did the Cochrane Library, uh, recently discover? And let me look at the, 326-page meta-analysis of all the studies. So meta-analysis is just a review of all of the studies on masks. And what did it conclude for all these masks? They are ineffective at preventing the spread of respiratory illnesses. And, you know, I have a lot of people who will tell me, well, Scott, listen, this was not... This was not a, a coordinated conspiracy. I know they like to say conspiracy theory for anything they don't like. Um, I just call it common sense. Uh, they like to say, well, we learned things. And I'm asking people out there, what did we learn? Uh, I mean, what did we learn new to conclude that masks don't work uh, in the COVID uh, experience? I mean, viral particles are the same size and mask pores are the same size. And the fundamental uh, m- m- uh, manner of transmission has not really changed for these respiratory illnesses. And, and so what was concluded was what was already known. And I think it's really important to understand that they did not learn anything new in COVID. They just finally allowed the truth to come out. Now I would just tell you 
that uh, myself, Hal, and others were sharing that truth to you from the very beginning. And yet we had all of these forces against us that just didn't want you to hear it. And now we have the Cochrane Library Review, which concludes masks don't work. Now, um, the other thing I talked about on this show was vaccines. Now, you understand that the pharmaceutical industry has been trying to develop effective vaccines since, you know, forever. And they just don't work for respiratory illnesses. You know, things like influenza, they change every year. And interestingly enough, I just kind of went along with the crowd, like a lot of people, getting my my influenza vaccine. But during the COVID experience, I started researching the efficacy. And I mean, the efficacy of typical yearly influenza vaccines is like sometimes 4%, 4%, up to 50%. Or, and, and numbers around there, but I was just stunned, like, wow, how ineffective it is. And yet we're told we have to get it every year. And the, uh, the thing that I mentioned on this show was your children, which is indisputed now, the CDC agrees with this, are at very low risk of any serious harm coming from COVID. Very low risk. Uh, I know the media out there will try and tell you differently and try and make you understand things differently. But the reality is your children were never really at any serious risk from this COVID outbreak. We now know that the people who were at risk were older folks in their 70s, typically with comorbid conditions, sometimes requiring up to three uh, conditions uh, to be really susceptible. And so I never said don't wear a mask. I just said the studies show that masks don't work. I never said don't get a vaccine. What I said was vaccines are difficult to produce, that we don't know the full ramifications, and that if your risk was risk was low, that it may be worthwhile to make your own decision about would you rather take your chances with the virus or take your chances with the new vaccine. And isn't it funny how uh, I've been proven to be right. And I shouldn't say I, I mean, there were others in this, but I look back and I think to myself, uh, despite the fact that the AJC was attacking me and other places were attacking me, the medical, you know, getting reported to the medical boards for simply sharing my medical opinion, which is kind of an odd thing to me that we live in this world now where I go to medical school, I graduate at the top of my class, I have a huge practice. I've been practicing for 30 years and I have experience. And I would think, is that not the kind of person that you want to give you medical advice? I'm just asking. And I guess now that's not okay. You know, Um, let's let's uh, revisit uh, Dr. Marty McCary at the congressional hearings where he, I think, does the greatest rant ever. And let's uh, lay the foundation for this before we start going through all of the actual misinformation spread by places like the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and others. But let's listen to Dr. Marty Macari. Greatest perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic has been the United States government. Misinformation that COVID was spread through surface transmission, that vaccinated immunity was far greater than natural immunity, that masks were effective. Now we have the definitive Cochrane review. What do you do with that review? Cochrane is the most authoritative evidence body in all of medicine and has been for decades. Do you just ignore it, not talk about it? That myocarditis was more common after the infection than the vaccine. Not true. It's four to 28 times more common after the 
the vaccine, that young people benefit from a booster, misinformation. Our two top experts on vaccines quit the FDA in protest over this particular issue, pushing boosters in young, healthy people. The data was never there. That's why the CDC never disclosed hospitalization rates among boosted Americans under age 50. The vaccine mandates would increase vaccination rates. The George uh, Mason University study shows it didn't. It did one thing. It created never vaxxers who are now not getting the childhood vaccines they need to get. Over and over again, we've seen something that goes far beyond using your best judgment with the information at hand. We've seen something which is unforgivable, and that is the weaponization of medical research itself. The CDC putting out their own shoddy studies, like their own study on natural immunity, looking at one state for two months, when they had data for years on all 50 states. Why did they only report that one sliver of data? Why did they salami slice the giant database? Because it gave them the result they wanted. Same with masking study. Well, the data has now caught up in giant systematic reviews and the uh, public health officials were intellectually dishonest. They lied to the American people. Thank you. So that's interesting, Larry. He reminds me that uh, I remember posting a article that was in JAMA, that's the Journal of the American Medical Association, which is a left-wing rag like most of our uh, medical journals, sadly. But it was an article, a peer-reviewed article on myocarditis associated with the vaccine, and I posted it on social media, and Twitter suspended me for like 10 days. And they would not let me back on until... I took down the tweet, which didn't even have any comment. It was just the article published in JAMA because I was trying to share the information with people. But the gatekeepers decided that uh, that we weren't able to to share this information. And the reason for today's show is not for me to pat myself on the back, although it is kind of nice to be able to pat myself on the back. Um, I, I know pride is one of the worst sins and I shouldn't, uh, shouldn't be relishing in it right now. But, um, the, all joking aside, what I really want to do is while we have this moment in time where we have a little bit of freedom of speech, our freedom of speech is really, uh, at serious risk. Uh, I want to share information about the world we look in, work in, and, and, and or sorry, I want to share information about the world we live in. And sadly, we live in a world where we don't have the free exchange of ideas. We're not living in free debate. We have an overpowering government that is preventing people from sharing information. We have a serious tyrannical situation where apparently a government is using uh, medical uh, medical issues to try and implement unconstitutional controls to shut down our businesses, shut down our schools. The media, which sadly for the most part is in bed with government and p- pushing these false narratives, uh, is preventing us from gathering accurate and truthful information. And it's it's weird when I see people today that are wearing masks in their car. I just saw this the other day and I was having this conversation with my daughter and I'm thinking to myself, what does that person listen to? What do they read? 
Like, why are you wearing a mask? The Cochrane Review says it doesn't work. And not only that, but what are you doing in your car? You're the only one in the car. What what possible effect do you think that the mask could be having while you're wearing your car? And just to give you a little um, insight into just how manipulative our fake news media is. Let's listen to Bill Maher on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Jimmy Kimmel, by the way, was one of the people who was spreading most of the misinformation. Uh, I shouldn't say most of it. He was just spreading a lot of it. You know, he was pointing fingers at people like me and trying to berate people like me and, and, and censor people like me and cancel people like me. And it turns out that all of his opinions turned out to be wrong. But let's just listen to Bill Maher, who, by the way, is a liberal. Uh, but is starting to see a little bit of the light on the COVID experience. I don't understand why he doesn't see it as much on climate change. But anyway, that's a that's an argument for or a discussion for another time. But let's listen to Bill Maher talking to Jimmy Kimmel about the differences in how conservatives and liberals perceive the COVID outbreak. Let's listen to this. You know, Thomas, uh, you know, it's safe. We, we're doing everything we can. And enjoy. Live life. You did get it. In Embrace me. life. You did get it. I got it after I was vaccinated. This, the question was, what do you think the chances are that you would have to go to the hospital if you got COVID? Mm-hmm. And Democrats thought that was way higher than Republicans. Mm. 41% of Democrats. And the answer is between 1% and 5%. Okay. 41% of Democrats thought it was over 50%. Another 28% thought it was 20 to 49%. So 70% of Democrats thought it was way, way, way higher than it really was. Liberal media has to take a little responsibility for that, for scaring the shit out of people. <laughs> and the reason why I'm bringing this up is uh. because it's much harder for every touring act to sell tickets in blue states. Oh, interesting. They're afraid to go out of the house. I see. Whereas in red states, it's all good to go. Uh-huh. I you promise know. I... Okay, so let's let's kind of read between the lines here. So, so he's basically saying that liberals believe fake stuff way more, like way, way more than conservatives. Let's read between the lines. What does that mean? That means that the people that liberals are listening to, the things that they are reading are lying to them and giving them misinformation more than the conservative people. And I just, it's funny to me, you see these two guys chuckling and yet that they'll both go back on the next event in human history. Jimmy Kimmel will be out there parroting the left wing, left wing narrative. Uh, he'll be trying to shut down people like me and calling me, you know, evil and stuff like that. Just having no ability to have any personal introspection and, and think to myself, you know, maybe, maybe, um, you know, maybe I'm a, a wrong this time. Uh, maybe I should, uh, take another look at some of the things that I believe. Maybe I should consider the sources where I get my information. And uh, that's not going to happen. And so what I'm hoping is that while we have this small moment in time where we at least have a little bit of freedom, we can get everybody to start understanding and learning from the COVID experience so we don't let them uh, do this to us again. Um, Now, over uh, on July 4th, they had a federal court ruling uh, that was very important. And I want to listen. I want you guys to listen to this uh, ruling 
uh, because it's got important ramifications about how the world looks going forward, and it helps us reflect on what happened to us during the COVID experience. Now, this is presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswari, who's a, a very successful businessman. He's running on the Republican ticket, and he's currently third in the polls behind uh, Donald Trump and um, Ron DeSantis. He was on the Charlie Kirk show uh, doing his thing. And I got to be honest with you, I love uh, the way he talks. And I really, I really uh, admire his story. And I appreciate what he's saying. And I support what he's saying. But I want you to listen uh, to what he's talking about in his analysis of this recent federal court ruling. It was ruling. a good July 4th gift. In January of 2021, I was actually the first person to advance this legal theory. Uh, in the page of the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere, and in my book, Woke Inc., that government actors cannot threaten private companies to do through the back door what government could not get done through the front door under the Constitution, censoring protected speech. And at the time, Charlie, legal scholars across this country dismissed that legal theory, saying this Rafiat is thinking that the First Amendment applies to a private company. Has he not even gone to high school, let alone law school? It was dismissed as a conspiracy theory to think that the government was even doing this. Well, two and a half years later, what do we now know? Another conspiracy theory is vindicated yet again. Sometimes I think people need to rhyme. So here we'll make it simple. If it is state action in disguise, then the Constitution still applies. Period. You cannot use a tech company as a puppet to silence speech that you could not censor directly. Here's a rule of thumb, Charlie. If Vladimir Putin was doing it, and we would call it a threat to democracy, then it's a threat to so-called democracy when we're doing it here at home as well. And we would not look kindly on some foreign autocrat deputizing and threatening private companies to silence political expression. Guess what? Take a long, hard look in the mirror. That's what we've been doing for the last three years in this country. Kudos to this federal judge. I continue to think that our judicial system is the last backstop for protecting our constitutional freedoms in this country. And it gave me, frankly, a lot of gratitude to see that legal argument from two and a half years ago invoked by this federal judge to see that injunction through today. Yeah, you have Alexi Navalny. Yeah, so... I want to make a couple of points. The first thing I want to let you guys know is that censorship that big tech has been uh, placing on all of our social media platforms to ban conservative speech, right? I put out a JAMA article uh, warning about uh, or discussing myocarditis associated with vaccination and Twitter made me remove it. They suspended me, right? Uh, we know that all sorts of uh, information out there was censored. They didn't want to hear that vaccines didn't work. They didn't want to hear that lockdowns didn't work. They didn't want to hear that masks didn't work. They didn't want to hear that COVID wasn't as deadly as they were making it out to be, right? We just listened to how liberals thought your chance of going to the hospital and all this kind of stuff was 70% when it was like 2%. Right. Uh, they didn't want these things. And so a federal court judge just ruled that the federal government cannot deputize these tech companies to censor us and control us. Right. They the Hunter Biden laptop. They had these uh, tech companies. The FBI uh, told uh, Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook that this was Russian disinformation. And so they scrubbed this information. And we know that ultimately uh just by itself uh, was capable of swinging the uh, election of Trump and Biden in in Biden's favor. And so it's important for people to know 
that when you are looking at information, when you're going on social media, you are not getting the full picture of what is happening. You're getting a left-wing edited version, and and it's important that you know that when you read things. And I'm just here to tell you right now, my Twitter is completely throttled still. I know everybody thinks that under Elon Musk that we have open and free speech. It's not. My Twitter is basically uh, still shut off. I've been consistently losing followers, which, you know, hasn't happened uh, since before Elon took over, we had a little bit of break uh, when Elon took over, and now it's back to the same way. And I believe uh, that, you know, people are policy, right? So even if Elon comes in with an edict, and by the way, I'm not 100% uh, sold on Elon's motives, uh, but he at least sounds like he wants more free speech, but it doesn't matter. Anybody who owns a big company knows that uh, if you have a lot of employees, you can't monitor all of them, and they tend to do what they want to do. And a lot of the people still working at Twitter seem to have uh, a problem with uh, truth and and certain anything coming out of the mouth of a conservative, and they will they will scrub that uh, information, and they will uh, try to prevent those people from getting a platform. Right, and I, I think it's not only doctors, but police officers and and teachers and educators and and scientists that don't comport with the uh you know going narrative are going to find themselves uh throttled a little bit. Now, one of the other things that's really important to me as we're learning now that uh vaccines um have issues, right? That was a big one and let's listen to uh Peter McCullough discussing uh the vaccine injury that uh, we weren't allowed to bring up and when I brought this up, that it was a possibility, this was me just understanding how vaccines work, how they're made, understanding what the experience with vaccines has been throughout history. Again, that it takes eight to 10 years to understand the full ramifications of vaccines uh, and that there's a risk benefit, right? Any vaccine is going to have negative side effects. I mean, that's what they do. And you, you have to make a risk assessment and it's going to be true for the next issue. You know, it's not just COVID. It's just in general. Um, you know, you have to understand, too, that different viruses have different characteristics. Some lend themselves to uh, vaccination and others not so much. We know that respiratory illnesses are difficult to create vaccines uh, uh, that stop them. And so uh, I want you to hear what is allowed to be said now. I don't know if it'll be allowed to be said in the future. This is Peter McCullough on vaccine injury. Stand by. Do you think that the cover-up of the actual origins of COVID is as big, if not bigger, than the cover-up that we saw of the true impacts and negative side effects of the COVID-19 vaccines? Where do you think there's been more misinformation, ironically, I'll use the term, uh, but spread, whether by the U.S. government or authorities like the WHO, the WEF? Like I said, got about a minute. I think the greatest harm has been the, the direct deception on the safety of the COVID-19 vaccines. We've learned now through, uh, you know, court order documents that Pfizer knew about 1,223 deaths that occurred uh, almost immediately after taking the vaccine. First 90 days, it should have been pulled off the market in January of 2021. Our government has still not acknowledged 
the large numbers of injuries, disabilities, and deaths that have occurred and directly attributed to the vaccines. Over 3,400 peer-reviewed papers now on vaccine casualties and the mechanisms by which this happens. Wow. Americans are furious. 3,400 peer-reviewed... Find you on social media where... 3,400 peer-reviewed articles on vaccine casualties. How many of you out there have heard about that? Huh? Do you see these news organizations explaining that or sharing that information with you? No, but uh, if you want to go to work, you're going to have to take the vaccine. And again, to really understand just how broken things are, the CDC added these vaccinations to the vaccine schedule to our children. What's more weird to me is to their own children, too. Again, we know that kids are at minuscule risk from harm from COVID, especially the COVID strains now, right? As COVID is mutated, it's got less and less virulent. And they still want you to have these uh, vaccinations over and over again. Now, um, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the people that we have put in charge of of our healthcare, right? That's the thing that the left always wants to do that I'm warning about. They want to silo healthcare and they want to silo basically everything in this world to experts. And they want experts to make the decision and they want the rest of us to all fall in line. And that is just not the way it works in medicine. You know, I have no interest in seeding the decision making of healthcare over myself, over my children, my family, to any of these people in government. And one of the things I want to show you is that they have been not just making mistakes, which they have left and right, but they're overtly lying to you to accomplish their own ends. And if you don't, if you don't recall that, let me play Dr. Fauci on Face the Nation. Okay, so so does that sound like somebody who's equivocating, who's saying, you know, this is his his line now. It's like, well, we didn't know. We learned stuff. I, you know, I was just trying to be safe. And does that sound like somebody who's equivocating? No. He knows full well. Listen, I don't think Fauci is the greatest doctor in the world, but you don't have to be the greatest doctor to know that new vaccines have issues with them. Uh, it takes time to understand the formal ramifications of any new vaccine, uh, eight to 10 years, right? That's what I learned in medical school. I'm sure he did as well. And there he is telling you, no, 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 no. The vaccine's going to stop the, the, uh, virus dead in its tracks. You're not going to be able to transmit. We all know that to just be, um, an out and out lie. Now, this is not just my opinion. 
I want to play for you Nobel Prize winning inventor of the PCR test, Carrie Mullins, talking about Tony Fauci. Now, you have to understand, uh, just let me give you guys like a little explanation of how PCR, it's polymerase chain reaction. It has an enzyme called reverse transcriptase. And so what you're able to do is you're ta- able to take a little nucleic acid and the reverse transcriptase is able to copy that nucleic acid so that you can get more copies of it. So the concept is if you just have one strand of DNA laying around, you can't see it. And the way we see it is we get a whole bunch of those strands and we run it in a thing called a gel electrophoresis where you you basically have a gel which is like a maze. You put in the nucleic acid in a little well and you subject it to an electrical current and the charged particles will pull through the gel. And giant particles will go slowly because they have a hard time getting through the gel, whereas smaller particles will go through the gel uh, very easily. And so uh, PCR test was designed to amplify pieces of nucleic acid so that we could look at it and study it and be able to separate it and identify it. And for whatever reason, the powers that be decided to make the PCR test uh, a test for the presence of COVID. Now, I'm always trying to explain to my friends, like you understand that there are viruses and foreign things out there. There's cancer cells that are always trying to invade your body, but your immune system smacks it down. So if I'm exposed to a respiratory illness that gets in my body and my body smacks it down and I never get sick, and then you go into my body and you find some of that dead virus laying around, does that make me a victim? If you test that being positive me, am I really infected by the virus? That's what they were doing with this PCR test. They were misusing it uh, to try and get diagnoses up. And it was just another part of their disingenuous and, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> basically lying plan to perpetrate this pandemic on us. Now, listen to what Carrie Mullins has to say about Tony Fauci, who was controlling this whole thing. What is it? What, what is it about humanity that that, that that wants to go to all the details and stuff and listen? You know, these guys like Fauci get up there and start talking. You know, he doesn't know anything really about anything, and I'd say that to his face, nothing. The man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope, and if it's got a virus in there, you'll know it. He doesn't understand electron microscopy, and he doesn't understand medicine. He, doesn't, he should not be in a position like he's in. Most of those guys up there on the top are just total administrative people and they don't know anything about what's going on at the bottom. You know, those guys have got an agenda, which is not what we would like them to have, being that we pay for them to take care of our health in some way. They've got a personal kind of agenda. They make up their own rules as they go. They change them when they want to. And they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people who pay his salary and lie directly into the camera. You can't expect the sheep to really respect the best and the brightest. They don't know the difference, really. I mean, I, I like humans. Don't don't get me wrong, but basically, there is a there is a there's a vast the vast majority of them do not possess the the ability to judge who is and who isn't a really good scientist. I mean, that's a problem. That's a main problem actually with science. I'd say in this century because. Science is being judged by people funding 
is being done by people who don't understand it. Okay, who do we trust? Fauci? Fauci doesn't know enough to, you know, if Fauci wants to get on television with somebody who knows a little bit about this stuff and debate him, he could easily do it because he's been asked. I mean, I've had a lot of people, president of the University of South Carolina, asked Fauci if he'd come down there and debate me on the stage in front of the student body because I wanted somebody who was from the other side to come down there and balance my, because I felt like, well, these guys can listen to me. I need to have somebody else down here that's going to tell me the other side. So I think there's a couple of important things there. I mean, the first part is that um, it wants to go to all the The first thing is that you ever notice that people uh, that are speaking the truth want open debate, right? They want to have a conversation about the information that they're discussing, and then people who are not trustworthy, who are not being truthful, they don't want to have debate. They want to implement and, and, and deputize experts and agencies and tell, tell you that certain things are authoritative, you know, uh, and, and solve problems that way. And I want you guys to all start to know that going forward, you have to understand that when you see somebody that's trying to suppress speech, suppress debate, uh, that they're trying to avoid having to confront the truth because when somebody is speaking the truth and you're speaking lies, it's going to come out when we allow open and honest debate. Now the left is always trying to twist that, right? And they'll say that conservatives are the ones doing censoring because we don't want to have pornography in our public schools, right? That's a different thing than allowing political speech or speech on science. And they know it's different. But uh, I was just watching SWAT. Uh, it's it's a new show. I've, I've been binge watching it. And I mean, it's absolutely amazing. It's got Shamar Moore in it, who you guys might remember from Criminal Minds. He's now plays Hondo, the SWAT commander. I have a little nostalgia for me because I remember watching SWAT back in the 70s, the old show. And so I enjoy this show a lot, and I can tell you how much I enjoy it is there's left-wing propaganda in it, left and right, uh, but I still enjoy doing it. And I had uh, a big um, – they had a big episode yesterday that I was watching where basically they had a guy that was supposed to be a conservative talk show host, host called Tim Storm or something, and then all the people who followed him are like conservative mega Republican types – they called storm chasers. And of course they portrayed him as a hater and this and that. And they, uh, portrayed the LBGT community as the poor victims and all this kind of stuff. And they, uh, when you look at the, um, in the show, they have protesters on both sides. And of course they make the right wing protesters hateful, miserable, you know, attacking type people. And it's just ridiculous. I've been to conservative rallies before I was at the, uh, I think it was in 2009, the Tea Party rally in Washington, D.C. There was uh, about 1.5 million to 2 million people on the mall. I was there with uh, Congressman, um, uh, blanking on his name right now, uh, used to be HHS secretary. It'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, he was looking at that and he said, yeah, Tom Price, that's right. He was telling me that there were more people there than at Barack Obama's inauguration. I'm telling you, we were standing at the foot of the Capitol, and it was shoulder to shoulder all the way back to the Lincoln Memorial. It was peaceful. It was um, – people were courteous. They were kind. And when it was over, 
uh, that mall cleared out in about 20 minutes and there wasn't so much as a gum wrapper on the ground. Okay. No violence, no being mean and all this kind of stuff. And we know I, I've been to enough rallies so much so that when I see people misbehaving, it's my impression that they're more likely, uh, left wingers that are seeking to, um, you know, affect the perception of what a conservative rally is like. And anyway, you're watching this show SWAT and they're putting this propaganda into you. And I'm sitting there watching with my daughter. I'm enjoying the show, uh, but the propaganda part I can't stand. And so I'm trying to teach my daughter how to look at what she's taking in as information critically so that she can arrive at the truth. And I'll do a show another time on her brain is already a little bit contaminated because she, in her mind, she believes that there is violence uh, on right wing um, rallies. And, and I think that a lot of that has to do with the, um, the fake uh, news that's being purported out there. And again, I'm trying to connect dots here, right? We just did the Jimmy Kimmel show where you had, uh, Bill Maher talking about how the liberal perception of what was happening with COVID is just so wrong and so different than what conservatives believe. And obviously that has a lot to do with liberals listen to left-wing media, they read left-wing media, and they think like left-wingers, and conservatives don't. And that's why you got conservatives that are believing the truth, and you got these uh, left-wingers that are not. Now, I know that when people listen to this show, they want to disparage me, uh, you know, on every level. Uh, but I, I tend to think that what I'm, you know, people will often say, you know, Scott, man, I can't believe that you went to Berkeley. And I'll always tell them, you know, well, I wasn't born like this. I have my views based on living my life and seeing how the world works and seeing truth. And I've tried to be honest with that, and I'm trying to connect dots for you guys here that what we were talking about on this show turned out to be 100% accurate, and the people that were attacking us turned out to be 100% wrong. And you know that they are wrong because they refuse debate, right? We just saw uh, RFK Jr. was on the Joe Rogan podcast talking about uh, vaccines, and he wanted to debate Peter Hotez who's been a mouthpiece for the pharmaceutical companies. And Peter Hote, they they got to the point where I think Joe Rogan offered a million dollars to Peter Hotez's uh, favorite charity if he agreed to go on uh, and debate RFK. And and then other people chimed in. I think the pot got up to like a million dollars and he refused. And, the, you know, he went on MSNBC and of course he went home to, uh, uh, friendly places. They were like, oh yes, it's best not to debate him, you know, and using excuses like, oh, you don't want to debate RFK because he's not a healthcare provider that, you know, trying to say it's silly to debate, uh, crazy people. These are all of the tactics that they use to avoid having to confront truth. And, uh, I want you to see. The another thing that the left will do, or I should say, I, I shouldn't say that the left, I think, is engaging in a lot of mistruths and misinformation, especially about covid. Uh, and that's really been bothering me. And now that they're being forced to face truth, I want you to see what it looks like. Here is Secretary of Health and Human Services uh, um, head Jose Becerra at a congressional hearing talking about mask mandates. And I want you to listen 
to his response to questions. Sorry for the slow uploads here. Uh, Mr. Secretary, did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? Um, do what now? Did force two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? Making sure people wore masks when it was appropriate was essential to make sure that we were able to get out of this pandemic. Sure, but that wasn't my question. Could you answer the question that I asked? Which is? Did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save and, lives? And who did the forcing? Well, this, your department, or the Head Start, which is under your department, had a mask mandate until late last year for two-year-olds and above, even outdoors. Uh, so can you point to any public health benefit of that policy? Right. We, we never forced anyone to do anything because we don't have the jurisdiction or authority to do that. What we did was Liar. provide guidance on what would Mr. be Mr. Secretary, did Head Start have a mask mandate? We, we provide a mask mandate, a requirement for jurisdictions that wish to receive money to provide particular services. So Head Start did have a mask mandate for kids, yes? We, we had a mask mandate for, uh, jurisdiction, I'm excuse me, for agencies that wish to get federal dollars. So that's a yes. So services. can you point to any benefit, yes to any public question. health benefit from that policy, whether it was recommended or enforced or forced of requiring young children to wear masks? Did families benefit from the policy of using all protection, all precautions to avoid... Uh, no, I'm not asking you to COVID. rephrase yes. my question as some abstract question that you'd rather answer. I'm asking that you, as the person who's the Secretary of Health and Human Services, right now, can you point to any evidence that there was a public health benefit to forcing young children to wear masks? Well, the fact that uh, today we are not losing lives the way we lost them when we first got into this pandemic... And you think that's because we forced sign. two-year-olds to wear masks? That's your interpretation. What I'm saying to you is that using good policies that give us the precautions to keep uh, our families from contracting COVID are helping save lives. I want to quote to you from an article from NPR in January of 2022. It says, the United States is an outlier in recommending masks from the age of two years old. The World Health Organization does not recommend masks for children under age five, while the European equivalent of the CDC doesn't recommend them for children under age 12. In retrospect, was it a mistake for the United States to defy the international norm on child masking? The U.S. has been working closely with our international partners, and we have done more than any other country to try but that's to not what I asked you. I asked you, was it a mistake countries. to defy the international norm on the issue of child masking? We continue to use all the best practices when it comes to making sure people take the precautions. Is there a reason you're not answering my question, Mr. Secretary? I'm, I'm answering the question the best, the best I can because you keep phrasing questions that are already geared to get a particular answer. Mr. Secretary... What? Uh, Mr. Secretary, did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? What a weasel. What a weasel. Are you kidding me? I mean, come on. That is why they never want open and honest debate. That is why they're always trying to deputize experts and eliminate anybody's ability to use their own common sense, their own judgment, their own research. These clowns. These clowns. Forcing your two-year-old to wear masks? Come on, man. We didn't mandate that. You absolutely did. I work in hospitals where I wasn't allowed to walk in the hospital without wearing a mask until just recently. When I even brought it up at the board meetings, I was told, you know, oh, no, we can't go against the CDC. And I mean, it was like we weren't even able to have the conversation. How many of us have seen... Uh, social media posts of people on planes and the two-year-old couldn't wear the mask and they get thrown off. This is an unbelievable joke. Uh, and I, I just, 
it, it makes me angry. And listen, I have so much more. We got about three minutes till the end of the show. And I have so much more about the canard that these people pulled on us. And I want us to start using our minds. I want us to start thinking for ourselves. I want to make sure that they never use this medical tyranny to shut us down again. They're going to try and do it. You hear these people talking about, you know, Fauci and others at the World Economic Forum, uh, at the World Health Organization, others. You hear Bill Gates talking about it, uh, uh, that there's going to be another pandemic. They're going to try and do this again, and they're going to start shutting us down again, okay? They don't just listen to the law. They don't care that a federal court judge said that the federal government can't deputize uh, big tech companies to censor speech. They're going to do it anyway. They're still doing it right now. I know it. It's happening to me. But we have to have open minds. We have to use our own judgment. We can't be willing to accept comments from people like Katanji Brown Jackson, Supreme Court Justice. Do you know what a woman is? And she says, I'm not a biologist. I, I'm not I'm not capable of I'm not capable of uh, making that uh, decision. Um, listen, folks, I, I I wanted to go through this stuff not to pat myself on the back today. I wanted you to remember what it was like when we were going through COVID and honest people were trying to share information and they started implementing this experts. They tried to silence speech by labeling people as known spreaders of misinformation. They tried to deputize experts and say nobody else other than these experts, uh, these head of these three-letter agencies is allowed to have an opinion. And we show you over and over again where they were wrong and where they were out, outright lying. And that's why I want to always play that Marty McCarry dress down in Congress, the greatest spreader of misinformation during the COVID-19 pandemic was the United States government, okay? Let's not let them do it again. I want everybody to have an amazing week. Thanks for tuning into the show. We'll catch you guys next time. God bless America. Everybody have a great day. I will see you next time. You're listening to the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber on America's Web Radio. I'm out. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.